Have you ever met someone and that encounter made such a big difference in your life? I'm reminded when I just started seminary many years ago that well-known Christian author and speaker Josh McDowell came and spoke at one of our chapels. After he spoke, I went up to greet him and began asking him some questions. As we were talking, he stopped me and, and said, you know, I'm free afterwards. Would you be interested to having lunch with me? Would I? And I certainly did spend that afternoon with Josh McDowell. Can you imagine a young, inexperienced pastor spending quality time with this godly man? I truly learned so much from Josh McDowell. And I can tell you that my, how it changed my life in many ways. Even now, he is such an inspiration to me truly an example of faithfulness. I hope that you too can think of an encounter that changed your life. Well, what about an encounter with God Himself? Surely that will top all other experience that we can have. What difference would an encounter with God make? During the first Christmas, several people encountered Emmanuel, God with us, and their lives were never the same again. Today, I want us to learn from one of them. Would you turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 36 to 38. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. As you're turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, let me remind you that Luke chapter 2 presents before us the Christmas story, the birth of our Lord Jesus, and how shepherds came, were the first people to have come and, and met the baby Jesus. But that's not all. There are others who encountered Him, not on that day, but at least they met the baby Jesus. In verses 21 to 22 of Luke chapter 2, we're told that after a month after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple to be dedicated. And there, two very old people met them. The first one we read of is in verse 25. Let me read it for you. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Jump down to verses 27 to 28. So he, that is Simeon, came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. What a wonderful encounter it must be for Simeon to have finally met Jesus, to have seen Jesus, whom he longed for. But that's not the only other person. We read of another person whom we're going to spend the rest of our time in. Look at verses 36 to 38. 
the second person who have seen Jesus that day. It says, now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years and did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Verse 38, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Here in these three short verses, we learn the difference, the differences it can make on someone who had an encounter with God. One is before the encounter itself, and two that comes after. Differences that makes when you have seen, have met Jesus. The first difference is not having seen Jesus we long for Him. That's difference number one. Difference number two, having seen Jesus, we give thanks to God. Third and last, having seen Jesus, we want to share Him with others. Let's look at each of this difference that seeing Jesus can make in our life. The first one, not having seen Jesus at least not yet, we longed for Him. Verses 36 to 37 of Luke chapter 2 tells us a lot about Anna, who she is. Her name, Anna, is similar to the Hebrew name Hannah, which means grace, favor from God. What a beautiful name. Always being reminded when her name is called that that God is gracious, that God gives us what we don't deserve, that it is not because of what we've done, what we earned, but because God has given freely. That's what the name Anna, Hannah, means. It reminds us of Hannah, the mother of Samuel in the Old Testament, who, like Anna here in the New Testament, was a woman of prayer, was a woman of great spiritual passion as she fasted before the Lord. We're also told that Anna was a prophetess. That word simply means that she was someone who spoke for God. Now, we know that prophets or prophetess are those that reveal God's plan for the future. That's right. But that's not all. You see, a prophet not only talks about that which is to come, but also proclaim God's Word for today. In other words, she was a teacher, a teacher of God's Word to His people. We are, Anna was identified further as a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Now, for many Bible scholars, this is rather odd because there's nothing else that we know about Phanuel let alone the tribe of Asher that much. So why was this mentioned here? Many are not clear about this genealogy or this lineage. But may I suggest that it likely shows 
that Anna belonged to a family who remained faithful to God. That's why the names were mentioned. Anna belongs to a group of people who remain true, who remain committed to God, just like her. But the amazing thing that we learn about Anna is not about what she does, where she is from, but more importantly, we're told of her great age. You see, at this time, we're told that Anna was about 84 years old. Now, it could mean that she is 84 at that time, but we are told in addition that she was married seven years when her husband died. Now, that's kind of interesting details that were added. You see, during that time, girls marry at the age of 13. They could get married as early as 12, and most of the time, no later than 14. So very, very young. So whether she's 12, 13, or 14, we're told that seven years after getting married, her husband died. In other words, she became widow at that moment. So most likely, at the age of 20, she got widowed, and she lived on. It could be that she lived on to 84 years of age at this time. But it could also mean that she was 84 in addition to the time that when she got widowed, which would make her 104 years old at this time. 84 or 104? Again, at this point, it doesn't matter. She was someone of great age. A more important question is, what has she been doing all these years? Well, we were told, incredibly, Anna spent all those years worshiping and serving God in the temple. Anna fasted and prayed night and day. Yes, Anna might be old, she surely is at this time, but she was also quite active. Anna might be alone at this time. All her friends, all that she know might have died off. She might be by herself, but her hope has not grown dim. People around her might ridicule her for her dedication to God, but her love had not cooled. Anna, just like you and me, might have experienced hardship all those times, but you could count on it that her joy had not diminished. Luke tells us that night and day, Anna spent her hours praying. She also fasted, which means she set aside time for meals so that she can spend more time with God. Such dedication, such commitment to God. Now, there's a question that a lot of people ask. Did Anna live in the temple? Because we're told that she did, did, did not depart from the temple. Thinking about it and after doing some research, I, I don't think that's what it meant. You see, there are no accommodations for people, you know, in the temple. I think what Luke is trying to tell us is this, that Anna was in the temple at every available hour there is. She attends to every service. She observes every sacrifice she was faithful in worship and prayer each time the doors were open. Such 
was the dedication and commitment of Anna to God. We may ask, what motivated Anna to live this way? We're not told, but I suspect that Psalm 84 was written just for people like Anna. Would you listen to Psalm 84 as it describes the longing of the psalmist for God? Verse 1 begins with these words, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Would that be how Anna would be uh, saying? Would that be how Anna would have felt? I don't doubt that. Let's read on verses 10 to 12. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. And verse 12 ends, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And Anna would have said, that's me. That's who I am. Someone who is blessed, for I trust in God. For 84 years, night and day, Anna longs for the presence of God. Does that describe you? Does that describe us and the desire of our hearts? It should not come as a surprise then when God chose Anna to witness the coming of His Son. I'm sure that Anna was quite familiar with the promise of God in Jeremiah 29, verses 12 to 14, where God said, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. The first difference in someone who would have an encounter with God, whom God is getting ready to meet him, is that not having seen him, not having seen Jesus, we already long for him. Not having seen Jesus, we long, we want him. And it sets us up for an encounter with God. There's a second difference for someone who have an encounter with God. Having seen Jesus, we give thanks to God. Would you look at verse 38 of Luke chapter 2? We're told, and coming in that instant, she, that is Anna, gave thanks to the Lord. Let's stop there. It says, and coming in that instant. What is that? What, what are, what's Luke talking about here? What instant 
Well, it is that moment, that instant, when Anna finally seen the baby Jesus and perhaps like, like Simeon held Jesus in her arms and seen the Savior of the world in front of him or her. It is quite obvious why Anna, having experienced that moment, gave thanks to God for before him, perhaps even holding in her arms, she has the Redeemer of the world. You know, people who have encountered God, it is so characteristic. It is quite natural that they respond with a heart of gratitude. People who met God, people who experienced God, the first thing that comes from their, from their mouth is, thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord. They are filled with gratitude. How so? Because they know at that moment that God is with them, with us. God is not far. God is near. Thanks be to God. Not only that, but they are sure that God is good, that God has their good in mind, and finally, that God is faithful. So with just those three reasons, why, could, why would they be thankful to be grateful? Gratitude, thankfulness is a characteristic of someone who encountered, who met God. And I think we could say the other way, that someone who is not grateful, someone who is not thankful, most likely is someone who had not encountered God in their life. Because by not being thankful, in effect, they're, they're saying, well, God is absent. He is not present. God is not good. What is, what is there to be thankful for? God certainly could not be trusted because how, how could He be trusted when there is nothing for us to be thankful for? Brothers and sisters, thankfulness is an overflowing of someone who have encountered God in their life. Throughout Scripture, we find Jesus being the main reason for thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul went on to say in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. What gift? The gift of His Son, our Lord Jesus. And even if that is the only gift we have received, oh, how grateful we ought to be. We give thanks because there are no other love that is comparable to the love that God has shown us in His Son, our Lord Jesus. The great verse, John 3.16, should echo in our hearts the moment we open our eyes each day. For God so loved the world, you and me, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, you and me and all of us who believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Think about the love demonstrated through our Lord Jesus, how God sent Him to die for us. 
we who aren't always grateful, we who aren't, who ought to be grateful and are not, we who don't always live as we ought to, yet God loved us so much. For this reason, we give thanks. We give thanks because salvation is available only through Jesus. 1 John 1.7 in the series that our pastor Stephen has, has wonderfully guided and taught us, 1 John 1.7 reminds us, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. There is nothing for which God cannot forgive us as long as we turn to our Lord Jesus as we walk in Him. So there is so much to be thankful for as we have encountered Jesus Christ in our life. Like Anna, do we pause? Do we, do we reflect on what God has done and give thanks to Him? Not just during this time, this season, but each and every day of our life. The difference of someone who had encountered with God, first, not having yet seen Jesus, we longed for Him. Jesus is who we want. Second difference is having seen Jesus, we give thanks to God. We are full of gratitude. We cannot but give thanks to Him. There's yet one more difference that an encounter with God can make. Having seen Jesus, we share Him with others. Having seen, having encountered Jesus, it is the longing, the desire of our heart to share Him with others. Would you look with me in the last part of verse 38? Let me just read the first part. And coming in that instant, she, that is Anna, not only did she give thanks, but she spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna just couldn't kept, keep the blessing to herself. She is just so full of joy in the Lord that she overflows. The Word spoke of Him to those can be translated, she continued to speak of Him. It's not just a one-moment event. It's not just one person that she talked to, but she continued to speak to all those that she can come and meet. You know, if your cup is brimful, if it's full to the top, it cannot but help overflow. That's the same thing. If you are full of, of God, so to speak, in your life, you cannot but share Him with those around you. If you're excited about your relationship with God, who sent His Son to save you of your sins, you cannot but want to tell others about Him as well. You don't have to be taught. You don't have to be guided. You don't have to be instructed. You just naturally do. This reminds me when you know, living in Los Angeles where there are a lot of celebrities all around. Now, I have not met any living 20 years in Los Angeles, but I have people that come to me and said, Pastor Anthony, you know who I met the other day? I met Tom Cruise, you know, the actor Tom Cruise. Now, 
you know, it was just a casual in a store and walk right in this, this famous celebrity. And, 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 and this person just talked about how this, how this actor was so nice to her and, and even willing to take a selfie with her. And, 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 and it was just a wonderful uh, experience. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think I should tell this person, you know what, maybe you should put this in your, um, in your diary or, or maybe call someone and let people know about it or maybe, you know, send their picture to everybody. Do you think I need to tell that person that? Not at all. This person would just open up because it is such a remarkable and wonderful experience. He, I mean, in this case, she just have to share it with others. If that is our experience with God, we will tell others about Him. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Having told the Colossians about the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul said in verse 28 of Colossians 1, Him we preach, Him we tell others, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. We want to tell everyone, we want to tell them everything that we know about Jesus so that they would encounter Him as well. Because what a difference Jesus can make in their life. I read this week a story of an American pastor by the name of A.J. Gordon. As he was walking to his church, he came across a little boy who was carrying a rusty old cage with several birds in it. Pastor Gordon asked this boy, where did you get those birds? To which the boy answered, well, I trapped them out in the field. What are you going to do with them, said Pastor Gordon. Well, I'm going to play with them for a while, and then I guess I'm going to feed them to an old cat at home. Upon hearing that, Pastor Gordon asked the boy how much he would take to sell the birds to him. The boy answered, Pastor, you don't want them. They're just regular field birds. They can't even sing well. But Pastor Gordon replied, I'll give you $10 for the cage and for the birds. Okay, it's a deal, said the boy, but you're making a bad bargain. Pastor Gordon paid the boy who laughed happily with, her, with his money. Afterwards, Pastor Gordon took the cage, walked around the church, and opened the doors and set the birds free. The next Sunday, Pastor Gordon took the empty cage into the pulpit and used it as an illustration on redemption. He told the congregation how he paid the price so that these creatures who were in bondage, who were doomed for destruction, could be set free. He went to say, the little boy said that the birds could not sing very well. But when I released them from the cage, the birds flew out singing. And it seemed that they were singing the song, Redeem, Redeemed, Redeemed. I love that story. It's just a reminder of what the Lord Jesus had done for me, for all of us who come to Him. We may not sing well, 
Some of us may sing very badly, but we cannot help but sing. For that's just what happened to us. We are redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Such is someone who encountered God. You cannot be devoted to God unless you've been redeemed by His Son. The cost was dear. He offered Himself as a free gift that we can only receive by faith. But the moment we receive it, He sets us free from sin, from judgment, and we can go on singing His praise, devoting our life, telling others about Him. He, they too would want to know and receive Christ. Does that describe you? Is that what you want others to have as well and to experience? I want to close this morning with a wonderful story that happened in January 21, 1930. At that, on that day, the king of Great Britain, George V, was to give an important speech at a special peace conference. And the speech will be relayed by radio to the United States and even around the world for all to hear. As the broadcast was about to begin, a cable broke in the New York radio station. And when that happened, more than a million listeners on the other side of the Atlantic were left without sound. A junior mechanic in the station by the name of Harold Vivian realized this and solved the problem by picking up both ends of the cable. And at the moment he did that, he allowed electricity to pass through him. Vivian grasped the wires together in his hands and thereby restoring the circuit, making it possible for listeners to hear the king's speech. Imagine that, electric current passing through your body, causing your body to go into spasms, yet Harold Vivian held on without break for 20 minutes. Harold Vivian was the living link that allowed the king's speech to get through. Whenever I think of what Christians ought to be, what is our task in the world today? That is a wonderful picture. In the same way, that's how it should be with the gospel as it comes in us and through us. We become the conduit. We become the conductor, the means in which the message is passed on so that others can see Jesus, so that others can have an encounter with Jesus, so that others can tell others about Him as well. A few days ago, we celebrated Christmas. Another way of saying is we have an encounter with Jesus, had we? Perhaps some of us, it was just an event. It was just a, you know, a cultural event, but we have not met Jesus we missed out on what Jesus can do in our life. Jesus is but a name, but we don't have a relationship with Him. 
if you have not met Jesus, if Jesus is not your Savior, then come to Him today. Encounter the one who loves you and gave Himself for you. Receive Him into your heart. Allow Him to forgive you of your sins. Allow Him to make you a child of God. Allow Him to destine you for eternity with Him. Come to Jesus today. But for those of us who have Jesus in our life, we have seen Him. The question that we need to ask is, what difference did it make? Is our heart full of thanksgiving? Do we long more of Him in our life? Do we desire to share Him with others? That's the difference it should make. And perhaps we cannot say that with confidence. Perhaps that love had waned. Perhaps we are not like Anna in our desire for the Lord. We could seek Him for that. Ask that the Lord will be fresh in our heart and that His life will be real in us so that we may respond as Anna had when he encountered Jesus in her life. The difference an encounter with God makes, number one, not having seen Jesus, we long for Him. You say, well, I, you know, it's wonderful if I could hold Jesus now. I long for Him. Well, Jesus came the first time. He will come a second time again. Do you long for that? Do you look forward to it? Do you seek Him? Such is a person who knows God, who loves God. A second difference, having seen Jesus, we give thanks to God. We are full of gratitude. Our life is a life of thanksgiving. Finally, having seen Jesus, we share Him with others. We want others to know of Him as well. We give our time, our effort, the opportunity to let people know our loving Savior. May it be that as we end 2021, as we begin the new year, such is our life. May it be said of us that we have seen Jesus. We are those who walk with Jesus because it is so evident in our life. Let's come to Him in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to witness someone whose life has been changed by an encounter with you. Lord, Anna, in a brief and only place in the Scripture, short as it is, reveal to us someone whose life has been changed by you. Oh, what wonderful story to remind ourselves with, but greater joy is ours if what happened to Anna is also true for us, that we too are longing for you and we found you. And having found you, we are thankful for you and we cannot keep you to ourselves alone, but we desire others to know you as well. Let it be, O oh God, that that describes us today and even as we enter a new year. We ask, O oh God, that our life is a life of love, a life of gratitude, a life of bearing witness for you each and every moment of our life. We give you praise and thanks, asking all these things in Jesus' precious name. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus, 
the love of our Heavenly Father, the fellowship, the communion, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit be with us all, both now and even as we enter the year 2022, until we see our Lord face to face. Tangguan zuya soy unhui, ti pe siyong te zuay, siyang sinpohui sukat kamtong, kapdan siyang hiyari zibetong zai, zisi kao, ying ying, one one. Amen. Thank you.